what an awesome worship set this morning. Uh, praise God for that. Um, and good morning again, church family. Uh, this morning we are going to be in the book of John, continuing John in chapter 16. So you can go ahead and open up to John 16. We're going to start in verse 1. Uh, but before we read the passage together, uh, I want to test your memory just a little bit, okay? So we're going to be thinking back to just a few weeks ago to a uh, sermon Pastor Randy preached. Um, and so uh, Pastor Randy is in the room, so he will be looking to see who remembered this and who didn't. But uh, he asked a question, and he asked uh, a question about our preference in bananas. He asked us, what is your favorite kind of banana? Do you prefer a green banana, a yellow banana, or a spotted banana? Okay, some of you guys remember this question, hopefully. Uh, it caused a little tension in the room. Um, first... <laughs> It, it did, and I'll explain a little bit. But the green bananas, though, the green bananas, pretty much nobody voted for the green bananas. There may have been somebody, actually first service, somebody raised their hand, and I was like, oh, sorry. But uh, clearly, if you voted green banana, you are in the wrong category. So we're, we're just going to put them off to the side for a second. But between the yellow and the spotted bananas, it was kind of close, all right? The yellow bananas won. They were right, like most people preferred yellow. Uh, but if you were in the correct category, uh, you were with the spotted bananas. Uh, and... What happened in the room when I raised my hand with all of you right people about the spotted bananas, when, when we raised our hands, a lot of people in the yellow banana crew started looking at us and they were like disgusted. They were like, what is wrong with these people for liking spotted bananas? Um, and even afterwards, right, I was told by one of our staff members, uh, I won't say names, um, but uh, he led us in worship and his name's not Troy. So, uh, so won't name any names, but he came up and told me how disgusted he was with all of us who raised our hands for the spotted bananas. So I uh, just want to put that out there. There was clearly some tension in the room about spotted versus uh, yellow bananas. And what happens, what I was thinking about this, what happens is with any controversial question, whether it's your favorite kind of banana, or maybe it's your political views, or even when we come to the Bible, right, there are issues that people become polarized on, right? We're either all in or we're completely against. We either love it or we hate it. We either love to talk about whatever the issue may be, or we kind of ignore, we don't want to talk about that issue. Um, and today in our passage, Jesus is talking about the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is one of those issues where some people become like hyper fixated, like super obsessed with talking about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and speaking in tongues and they just go, 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 go. But then there's the other side where people just kind of ignore the Spirit, right? We just don't really have much to say about Him, right? We're comfortable talking about God as our Father. We're comfortable talking about Jesus, the Son dying for our sins. But when it comes to the Spirit, we really don't have much to say. We don't really think about Him that often. Um, and really, both these categories are kind of dangerous places to be. And I would argue that probably Baptist traditions and uh, probably our church, if we're going to lean one way, we're going to lean probably towards the side of, like, we don't really talk that much about the Holy Spirit. Um, and a man named A.W. Tozer, he uh, gave this warning. This is back in the 60s. If you don't know who Tozer is, he wrote one of my favorite books called The Pursuit of God. I highly encourage you to read it sometime. But he said this as a warning against this extreme, this ignoring of the Spirit. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. And so he points out here that in the book of Acts in the New Testament church, right, the Holy Spirit was active, working in and through God's people. And we are constantly seeing this as we read the New Testament. But in his time, back in the 60s, and I think this is true today, 
when we look at churches, oftentimes we can put on a program and we can have great Bible studies. We can, I, I'm the youth pastor here. I can have great youth programs. We can have a lot of fun and we can do all the things. I can teach the Bible. We can even have a worship service, but give no attention to the power and the work of the Spirit. Um, and he was warning us like, hey, this should not be this way, right? This should not be this way. In fact, everything we do should be led and empowered by the Spirit. Um, and so as we uh, read our passage this morning, right, I want us to take a look. We're going to really focus in on what does Jesus teach us about the Holy Spirit? What, is, what does Jesus say the role of the Holy Spirit is in our lives as his followers? So we're going to start in chapter 16, and we're going to read verses 1 through 15 together. So Jesus, he's in the middle of teaching, and he says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I, will, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, Jesus, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And to give context to this passage, uh, last week in chapter 15, uh, Pastor Randy preached. And he, uh, if you look back at verse 15, he warns, uh, chapter 15, verse 20, Jesus warns the disciples. He says, remember the word I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So this is in the context of Jesus teaching his disciples. I'm getting ready to go back to the Father. I've got to go to the cross. I'm going back to the Father. And things are not going to be easy. Right? He's warning them, like, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. In fact, people are going to persecute you. If you follow me, you will be persecuted. Right? And this flies in the face of any idea of like the prosperity gospel today, which basically teaches that, you know, if you follow Jesus, then you'll be healthy, wealthy, and happy, right? Like that is just a clear lie as we look to what Jesus says. He says, no, like if you follow me, you will be persecuted. That's what he promises, right? So it's going to be hard. And he says, I'm going away, but I'm going to send this helper, the Holy Spirit to you. And so the first thing I want us to see that Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is personal. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is personal. Uh, we see this in verses 7, 8, and 13, where he constantly uses uh, personal pronouns to talk about the Spirit. Right? When we, see, when we read verse 7, at the end of verse 7 it says, but, I will, when I, but if I go, I will send him to you. And then verse 8, when he comes, he will convict the world. And then skipping down to 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So 
the Holy Spirit is not like an it. The Holy Spirit is not some kind of like mystical force out of Star Wars, right? Like the, the Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person, and Jesus constantly refers to him as a he. He is a person, and he is personal, right? So if we know Jesus, then God's personal presence actually lives in us and is with us all the time. And this is a big deal. This is really essential for us to understand as Christians, that God's personal presence has come to live with us. And this is what Jesus is teaching here. He's like, I'm going away, but God's personal presence is coming. That is the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say in verse uh, 7, he says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. All right, so Jesus, he teaches it's actually to our advantage, it's actually better for us that Jesus is not in the room today because the Holy Spirit has come, right? And if he goes away, he's going to send the Spirit. But I don't know about you guys, but if I think about this, if, right, imagine today, if you could have Jesus physically standing in the room right now, right, would that not be, like, better? Would that, would that not be, make you more confident in Jesus? Would that not give you more faith? I would be way more confident in my faith. If Jesus was up here, right, not me preaching, not Pastor Randy preaching, but Jesus is up here preaching and he's leading us in worship, right, that would be amazing. That In my head, that's like the best ideal. But what Jesus says is actually, no, it's better that I go so that what we have right now can happen. The Holy Spirit could be here with us. And that's pretty amazing for Jesus to say and probably uh, really confuse the disciples, I'm sure, at first. But if you think about it, it makes sense, right? If Jesus was in the room today, right now, and he was up here preaching, then Jesus would not be down the road at Calvary Gospel, right? He would not be down the road at Life Point. He wouldn't be at any of the thousands of First Baptist churches in America, right? Like, he would be right here. That's it, just right here. Uh, but because he is not here and his spirit lives within us, like, actually, he's right here with us. He is down the street at Life Point at Calvary Gospel. He is at every First Baptist church. He is with the team in Guatemala as they worship. He is in churches in China and all over the world where people are worshiping Jesus like the Holy Spirit. God's presence is there. And so it is much better, actually, that Jesus goes because he has sent his spirit to live in us and be with us. Um, And if you think about that, really, uh, what that means is actually you don't have to come here either, right? Like, Like this room doesn't contain the Holy Spirit and we come here to experience God. It's actually like the reason God is here with us right now is because you came in the room and you brought the Holy Spirit with you, right? Like you walked in and the Holy Spirit lives in you. So that's why we can experience God's presence together right here. So that means today after when you go, when you go to lunch, you go hang out with family, you go to the fair today or tomorrow you go to work, you go to school, wherever you're at, like actually God's presence goes with you out the door. He's with you all the time, right? This is an amazing truth. And we have the privilege to come weekly and gather together and worship together and experience his presence together but all the time we experience god's presence if we have trusted in jesus because he has sent the holy spirit who has who is god's personal presence so first the holy spirit is personal and this is essential for us to remember every day right this amazing truth that god's personal presence is with us wherever and in whatever we are doing so the holy spirit is personal and the holy spirit is the helper okay we see jesus calls the Holy Spirit the helper back in verse 7. Um, and we actually, if you look back at chapter 15 and verse 26, he again calls him the helper. And chapter 14, verses 15 and in verse 26, he continues to call the Holy Spirit the helper. 
So through 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is constantly referring to the Holy Spirit as the helper. Um, or if you're reading another translation, you might see the word advocate. If you see another translation, you might be re- reading the word comforter or even counselor. Right? They, these are all words that are trying to get at this, this idea that the Holy Spirit is one who comes alongside God's people to help us and to empower us to obey Jesus. Right? So the idea that Jesus or the Holy Spirit is the helper is that he comes alongside to help us, to empower us, to do all that Christ has called us to do. So the Holy Spirit helps and empowers us to be obedient to Christ. He helps and empowers us to bear fruit of the Spirit, and he helps and empowers us to be witnesses for Christ, to make disciples wherever he has called us. And this right here shows us that actually the Holy Spirit is essential for the Christian life, right? He is the helper. Without the Holy Spirit, we do not naturally want God. In fact, the opposite is true. We naturally want to run from God. We naturally go our own way. We are inclined towards sin, to disobedience to God. Like that is our natural state. And only with the power of the Holy Spirit do we actually experience this life change where we now don't want to go after sin. We actually want to obey God. We want to live with Jesus and live for Jesus. And so the Spirit, as the helper, he transforms us. He transforms our desires, transforms our thoughts, He transforms our habits to where we become more and more like Christ. And so when Jesus calls him the helper, right, it's not like, you know, we're doing most of the work and he kind of helps us a little bit. No, it's like this is an essential help that we all desperately need, right? And he has come to be this help, this comfort, this advocate. So uh, the Holy Spirit is personal. He is the helper. And we see the Holy Spirit convicts the world. Um, Starting in verse 8, I'm going to reread through there. Uh, It says, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So, again, the Holy Spirit reveals to us, right, that we all fall short of God's holy standard, right? The Holy Spirit comes to reveal to us how serious our sin is, right? That's what he's saying when he says the Holy Spirit has come to convict the world. He's come to convict and to convince us that we actually are sinful, that we actually do fall short of God's standard, and that we desperately need a Savior. Um, And we, you know, if you look at the average person, right, you think about your own life, when you think about sin, right, we tend to minimize our own sin right? If, if I do something wrong, it's kind of like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Like, yeah, I did something wrong. I'll admit to it and we'll just get past it. But if somebody else does something wrong against me, right, we're going to hold a microscope to that. Like it is a huge deal. It is, it is awful because they wronged me, right? So we minimize our own sin and we, we hold a microscope to the sins of others. Um, and the Holy Spirit has come to convict us and convince us that actually, no, we are just as bad as everybody else. That actually we are in a terrible state of sinfulness and we desperately need a savior, right? If you were to ask an average person on the street, like, would you consider yourself a good person? Uh, There are a few people, some people would say, no, like, I'm a a bad person. Like, there are people that would say that. But the majority of people are going to say, you know, like, I'm actually, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a pretty good person, right? Like, I go to church, you know, I, I serve um, with the children's ministry, maybe, or with the youth or something. Like, I, you know, I take care of my family. I'm a good neighbor. 
Like, like they'll list things that they do good, that make them a good person. Um, but what Jesus says the Holy Spirit has come to do is to convict us and convince us that that's actually not true. We actually are naturally sinful, right? You may do good things, but you and I, like we are people that desperately need a Savior because of our sin, right? The Holy Spirit has come to con- convict us of the bad news, that we all sin, that we fall short of God's standard, and that we deserve to be separated from him forever in a place called hell. Like, this is what the Holy Spirit has come to convince us of. And the reality is we cannot understand the good news of the gospel until we understand that bad news. Right? That is why the Spirit has come to convict, convict us and show us, like, how bad we truly are and how much we desperately need a Savior, someone who died for our sins. And when we do understand the bad news, then we can actually understand this good news of what Jesus has done on the cross. But Jesus makes it clear that we are not the ones who convict people, right? It's not my job to go around and start telling people like, okay, here's what you've done wrong. Here's all the things you've done wrong in your life. Here's why you're sinful. Here's why you need a savior, right? That's not my job to convict people and convince them of how bad they are, right? Uh, there's actually a quote from Billy Graham. He, he rightly said this. He said, it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict God's job to judge and my job to love, right? So it's, again, saying exactly what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit, it's his job to convict people of their sin. It's God's job as the judge. We're not the judges. We're not, we're not the people who convict. We are the people who love. We're the people who go and we show the love of Christ to people so that when they do realize their sinfulness, when, they, when people do realize they need a Savior, Right? We can share, hey, Jesus is that Savior. Jesus is the one who died for your sins. He rose from the dead, and you can have life by turning to him. See, we fail at trying to play the role of the Holy Spirit, so we need to stop doing that, and we need to start playing our role in showing God's love. And what is really amazing about this is this shows us that actually trying to share the gospel with people, like if we do go share about Christ, and hopefully you're doing that like regularly, hopefully you're looking for opportunities to share your faith with people, whether it be at school, at work, with your family. Um, but if we are doing that, right, we cannot actually lead someone to Christ ourselves. It's actually the Holy Spirit who needs to work in us and through us and in the hearts of people who need him, right? Without the Holy Spirit's work, People are not going to come to know Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit's work, you did not come to know Jesus. It is because Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has worked in you and revealed to you how much you need a Savior. And so we need to rely on the Spirit if we're ever going to make disciples, we're ever going to reach people uh, for Christ. And then, so this last point, okay, so we see the Holy Spirit is personal. The Holy Spirit is the helper. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And lastly, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Uh, we see this in verse 13, where Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So a couple really important things about this, this phrase, the spirit of truth. Okay, we know, right, that the Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit inspired the biblical authors and guided them into all truth, just as Jesus is talking about here, guided them into all truth to write these words. And so because the Spirit is the Spirit of truth, we know that these words are truth. 
We know that any time that we open up the Bible, we know that these things are true, that we can trust this word, that we can trust what God has to say in his word because the spirit of truth led the authors to write these words. So we know that we can trust God's word and that when we read it, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us to help us to understand what it means. Right? As we're reading the Bible, sometimes we can come to stuff and we're like, what does that even mean? Like, I don't understand this. I don't understand the context. I'm, I'm missing something here. And we can rely on the Spirit, and we should rely on the Spirit every time we read the Word, to help us illuminate our hearts and our minds to understand what God is saying to us. So two things that I think we should always do when we read the Bible. Okay, Every time you come to a worship service, right? Hopefully you did this today as we were opening up the Word. Okay, First, um, I would encourage you to read the Scripture alongside what I'm reading, right? We have the verses on the screen for that reason. But open up the Bible, being able to read the context, like, oh, you know, David said this thing, let's look back at chapter 15. Let's make sure actually what he's saying is actually true, right? You can read along and follow along in your Bible and read the context. But then second, ask the Spirit, like, as we're reading, like, God, would you show me by your Spirit what this means? Would you help me discern what is true versus what is not true, right? As I'm speaking, right, I'm not infallible. I can clearly, I can obviously say something that is wrong. Pastor Randy, any other preacher that you listen to, right? Like, we are not perfect. You should listen and you should read the word and ask the Holy Spirit to discern. Like, hey, what is true here? Is there anything that's not true here, right? So that we can know what is true. And as the spirit of truth, um, he wants to do that. That's actually his role. That's why he's here. He wants to reveal what is true and help you apply God's word to your life. Actually live it out. So, again, our four points were... The Holy Spirit is personal. The Holy Spirit is the helper, the advocate, comforter. The Holy Spirit, it convicts the world. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Now, thinking about those things, right, why does any of this matter, right? Like, what should this, how should this affect my daily life, right? Hopefully, that's a question you also ask every week when you open up the Bible is, how does this affect my life today? Um, Well, first, okay, knowing these truths about the Holy Spirit, we should first be reminding ourselves daily of God's personal presence with us. We need to remember all the time that the Holy Spirit, God's presence, actually lives with us and goes with us wherever we go, right? That is essential to our walk with Christ. Like, we cannot follow Jesus without the Spirit, and the Spirit actually is our access to the Father. We can speak to God all the time and know that He hears us because He's actually with us. He's actually with us all the time. And so we need to remind ourselves daily of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Second, we need to rely on the Spirit for the strength to obey God's commands. Right? We can try our hardest and try our best to be good people, but we are going to fail at that. Okay? And we will sin. Right? But the Holy Spirit actually empowers us to live rightly, to actually do the things that Jesus has called us to do. And so we need him all the time. We need to remember he's there, but we also need to rely on him for the strength to do the things that God has told us to do. Um, third, we need to listen to the Spirit as He convicts us, right? The Spirit, you know, we, we are constantly, right? We are in this battle between the Spirit and the flesh, and we choose the flesh, right? We choose sin regularly. We do. And the Holy Spirit is here to convict us and show us where we fail, to show us where we need to repent, where we need to turn back to God. And so we need to listen to the Spirit as He convicts us, on a regular basis, and as he calls us to repentance. He is the one who convicts us of sin, but he also is the one who empowers us to turn from it. So we need to listen to him and be aware 
when he is calling us to repent. And then lastly, we need to seek the Spirit's guidance in understanding and applying God's word. Right? We need to know that the Spirit of truth is going to show us what is true and what is not true. As we listen to uh, preachers, as we listen, as we come and read the word on our own, and we can come up with our own interpretations, we need to know, like, okay, but is this led by the Spirit? Is this what God is really saying here? And we need to make sure we're trusting and relying on the Spirit to help us understand and apply God's word, to live it out. Um, so with all this in mind, I want to encourage us this morning. Like, maybe the Spirit is prompting you in some way. Maybe the Spirit is, has revealed to you in some way, like, sin in your life. That you're like, I need to repent of this. Maybe the Spirit has shown you, like, hey, I actually haven't accepted Christ, and you need to accept Christ today. Maybe there's some step of faith that the Spirit's calling you to. I don't know. But I want to encourage you, as we spend time in invitation, as we pray, I pray that, I ask that you, encourage you to pray um, and ask the Spirit to examine your heart, to examine your life. Like, is there some area that you need to repent of? Is there some area that you need to give over to Jesus? Um, or do you need to turn to Jesus for the first time today? Like, if that's you, like, you can do that in just a moment during this time as we pray and as we have this time of invitation. Um, so let's pray together. And I invite you guys to, again, ask the Spirit to work in your life and reveal to you what he might uh, be wanting to change and transform in you. So let's pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for living in us and being with us right here. Um, we thank you that we get to know you personally and experience your power and your presence with us every day. Um, and I pray for each of us in here as we examine our hearts, please reveal to us what is, what's wrong. Maybe if there's areas of our life that we need to change or give over to you, please transform us to be more like your son, Jesus. If there's some way you want to work in us, please do that. And I pray if there's anybody in here that doesn't know you, that they would come to know you today and they would turn to you. Um, and we just praise you and ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.